Here we go, part two. If you haven't watched last week's episode, go back, check it out. We covered such amazing questions. I did a Q&A with Zach Mason and we covered questions in the last one like, how do we know what's real and what's fake? How can we trust the Bible if it was written by man? Why does a good God allow bad things to happen? We covered so, so, so much in that episode. So I highly recommend going to check that one out before you listen to this one. In today's episode of part two, we're gonna be covering questions like why did God create hell and sin if he's so good why was that part of his plan why are Christians so intense and sometimes hypocritical I feel like they push their beliefs down my throat and hearing Zach's perspective on if we should or shouldn't celebrate holidays as a believer and follower of Jesus. And that's just scratching the surface. So I'm really excited for you to hear Zach's answers to your burning questions. Let's go. Hello, beautiful people. It's your host, Danielle Mason, bringing you authentic conversation, transparency around real life experiences, and actionable tips to create your next breakthrough today. Think of this as your home away from home healing oasis where we overshare and overcome obstacles together pull up a seat come as you are and be ready to leave feeling challenged to reflect encouraged to take action and inspired to change this is the blackouts to breakthroughs podcast somebody had this question you know how do i respond to somebody that asks me if god loves us then why would he create sin and create hell which seems inhumane so Let's, uh, I'm going to talk about this from what the Bible teaches. We've already talked about, we believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God and it contains, explains a lot of these things to us. Some things are more mysterious than others. And I'm going to point out that that question used the word why, okay, about God. Now I can tell you a lot of things. If you ask me questions about what God has done, I can answer those a lot easier. When you say why, you're almost asking me to explain God's mind, okay? And that is not so easy. No matter how much he explains to us or reveals to us, his mind, if he created us, is always going to be way above what we're capable of understanding. And if you think that's kind of like, oh, that's a cop-out. No, it really isn't. Do you think you're capable of understanding everything Einstein understood? (laughs) The answer is no, right? He can talk about things you would not understand. That's a very clear illustration that there are minds that are greater than ours that can understand things that we can't understand. Do we think a chimpanzee could understand the things that Einstein understood or that even you and I understood? Could you teach a chimpanzee uh, algebra, much less calculus? And the answer is no, you couldn't. Okay. Now, compared with God and the size of his mind, we are so much further down the chain than a chimpanzee. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Right, we're probably at bacteria level. Yeah. So you're asking why you want me to explain God's mind? I can't fully do that. Okay, but I can I can start to answer the question, hopefully to at least give you some peace about it. So first is sin. You said why would God create sin? Well, God didn't create sin. Sin, uh, you're misdefining it. Sin is rebellion. So if you want to understand sin anywhere, any term, any time people use it, just replace it with the word rebellion. So you say. Is someone in sin? Well, are they in rebellion? Does someone have a sinful nature? Well, do they have a rebellious nature? Is someone guilty of sin? Well, are they guilty of rebellion? So you start to understand it that way, and you say, well, so that means someone could have a sinful nature without having sin. 
Yes, technically. Because a person can have a rebellious nature, but not be in a state of rebellion, Mm. right? So that's what that means. Now, rebellion against what? Against the will of God. So God is God. He is creator and he has a will. He has a mind. He has a heart. He has emotions. And he said, this is what I want. And trust, faith is believing that what he wants is also good for us, loving for us, not bad for us. But we have rebellious natures, and we don't want to obey him. So he didn't create rebellion. We created rebellion yeah. when we rebel. We rebel and create rebellion. Okay, so that is sin. That's how sin is. When we don't obey God, we're the ones who create rebellion, not the other way around. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, hell, according to Scripture— And actually, a quick quick thought, quick question. Yes, yes. Uh, so we create a rebellion. Were we given that chance? When I say we, I mean Adam and Eve. Uh, were we given that chance to rebel because God gave mankind free will? Okay, so that is a different question. Um, okay. So, it were we predestined to rebel? That is a very large question, but it doesn't seem that there was any other possibility from the start. It does seem that Adam and Eve had a rebellious nature when they were created. Because the Bible says that the Lamb of God, meaning Jesus, was slain before the foundation of the world. So there was never any plan B. Mm. And so you say, well, why would God do that? Why would he create them with this rebellious nature? Now you're getting another why question that I don't know that I can fully understand. But that's kind of where faith comes in. And we say, we have to trust this for a good reason. Mm. But I can tell you a what. I can tell you that God was not willing to let any of us suffer something that he himself wasn't willing to suffer Mm -hmm. because he came and lived the full human experience without appealing to his own power. Jesus could have called on the power of God to save himself from all of the things he went through, and he didn't. Not only from the crucifixion, the beatings and torture, but from being a baby that was hungry and had to cry to get fed. Yeah, That's extremely frustrating for the creator of the universe to have (laughs) to do that. But he willingly, humbly gave up that power to go through every ounce, every step of what we have to go through to fully identify with us so that none of us could say, yeah, but you didn't have to have this happen to you. Mm. Yes, he did. You know, they whipped him so bad. The the end of the whip that they whipped him with had little pieces of bone and nail attached to it. It ripped the flesh right off the bone of his back. So, yeah, he did. The worst any of us have ever suffered, he suffered. Okay, so... None of us are going through anything worse than what he went through, and yet he didn't deserve it. He's the only one who didn't deserve it, who didn't have the rebellious nature. He was perfectly in tune with the Father's will, lived it perfectly, and didn't have to die. But he willingly gave his life so that we wouldn't have to suffer, so we could have eternal blessing of eternity with God and be healed from all of this and no longer have this rebellious nature. Now, I mean, I have some more ideas around that, but that's generally the understanding. But again, you say, well, I don't fully accept if you want, if, you, if you're still struggling with that, you say, I don't fully accept that answer. I say, go back to the fundamentals. Do you exist? Yes. That means there's a creator. So your struggle with this question doesn't negate the fact that there's a creator and you exist. It also doesn't negate the fact that there's a moral law because every culture of the world believes that murder is wrong. God's written that law in our hearts, and that's what the Bible says. And Every experience in every country confirms it, right? That's another fact. It doesn't change because we're struggling with the why. Why would God do this? It doesn't change those facts, that he exists, he designed us, and there's a law. There's a moral law. And the idea that we have a rebellious nature, that's a fact. 
choose any two-year-old you want and start giving them commands and they're going to do the opposite. <laughs> Walk up to anybody you want and ask them, hey, hey, say, command me to do something. As soon as they command you to do it, notice what you feel. You're immediately feeling like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Right? You are rebellious. Everybody, all of us, we're all rebellious. That's a fact. That's a fact. Okay. Right. So we have a designer. We're rebellious. Those are facts. Okay. Those aren't in question. There's no debate on them. They're just facts. So the question is, is why though? Why did God do this? Why this plan he's working out this story? This is part of the wrestling, trying to understand it. Now, as far as hell, that wasn't originally created for us. It was created for the devil. Okay. The devil used to be an angel of light. He led worship in heaven. But he got an ego. Now, God the Father, you might be surprised, but he's actually humble. He's the creator of the universe. Anybody could have an ego. God could have an ego. But he's humble. That's why his spirit produces humility in people. But the devil got ego. And he thought he was going, he was this and that and hot stuff. And he wanted his own kingdom. But to have your own kingdom that is not submitted to God as king, means that you're going to be, if you're no longer submitted to God's authority, it means you're going to be cut off from all the supply of what God provides, right? Well, God is the source of all light and all love and all truth and all happiness and all joy. So the devil, by saying, I want my own kingdom, is automatically cutting himself off from all of that. Well, so God created a place where that would be true, and that's hell. There's no love. There's no happiness. There's no joy. There's no pleasure. None of that is in hell because that's the devil's kingdom. So what's going on in this world is a, a spiritual battle. The, uh, the enemy, the devil, took uh, a third of all the angels with him that rebelled with him. And these are angels that are in charge of all kinds of things. What I'm teaching comes from an understanding of lots of different places. It's the spiritual war in heaven, the role of angels, what they do. It's a little bit mysterious for us, but it is pictured in verses here and there. We can pick out clues. And Jewish theologians and Christian theologians have all, they all have kind of points they've agreed on. And what we understand is that there are different ranks of angels and they're in charge of different things. So there are angels that are in charge of governing the affairs of the world, of what happens in the world, what influences go on politically, philosophically. There are angels that are in charge of the flow of history. There are angels that are in charge of uh, health. There are angels that are in charge of you know, the laws of physics. There are angels in charge of inspiration of ideas, creativity, things like that. This is what we understand. So nobody knows exactly what happened with the rebellion of the enemy. We don't have that understanding. God hasn't provided it. But if I was going to speculate based on what I see in the world, okay, and what and some of this scripture does allude to, is I would say that most of the political angels, the angels that rule the affairs of man, that control the governance, the influence of societies, of the nations, most of those, almost all of them defected and went to the enemy side. And this is why the, the, the politics of the world are always bad. And they're always going in the wrong direction. They're always corrupt. Mm. They're always uh, just going in the wrong direction. Okay. And you always see the spirit of the enemy in them. Uh, I would say that inspiration of ideas, the creativity angels, it seems like it's 50-50, right? 50% seem to still be given good ideas and 50% are given bad ideas. So you know, health and biology, the angels in charge of maintaining that. I, I, it seems to me that most of those stayed faithful to God, but there's a few that didn't. There's a, there's a small percent that didn't, and that's why we have disease and that kind of corruption. Now, how did this rebellion fully occur? Well, I think 
when the enemy entered the garden, he was trying to achieve something specific because Adam had been given dominion over the earth, right? Adam and Eve had been given dominion over the earth. And what we understand is that in this spiritual war, God's angels are fueled by obedience. The enemy's angels are fueled by disobedience. So when the devil successfully got Adam and Eve both to disobey God, he achieved dominion for himself. He got Adam to remove himself from the authority of God, from God's kingdom, and cast himself under the authority of the disobedient enemy. Because the enemy is more powerful than Adam, but he's not as powerful as God. So as long as Adam was under God's protection authority, the enemy couldn't touch him. But as soon as Adam and Eve, who represent all mankind and all their descendants came from them, as soon as they cast them through their disobedience, empowered the enemy's forces in their lives, and took themselves out of God's protection, the enemy now, by default, got dominion over the world. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And it's so interesting. This is so interesting. So, yeah, and so basically... The entire gospel is a rescue story. You know, we are down here like the damsel in distress. Yeah. You know, and the enemy is trying to destroy us all so he can take us all to his kingdom, which is hell. Mm. Some of us are empowered. Many of us are empowering him to do that and and letting ourselves be led down that road. Others of us, God is uh, attempting to rescue. And he himself came as a knight in shining armor. That was Jesus, the Messiah. Yeah. And he came to rescue his damsel, and he did it by sacrificing his own life. That was, that's a really good answer to that question because it's so, it's so hard for us to understand. And as humans, we want to understand everything like to a T, but that's where faith comes in. Um, so yeah. I'm glad that you pointed all of that out. We're pretty much at the end. I think there's two more questions left. Somebody asked a question. I heard it's wrong to celebrate holidays because of their origin. What are your thoughts? I would say that they're probably alluding to the fact that Christmas and Easter have traditions in, uh, you know, they're rooted in Roman holidays. There's a specific reason for that. Like even Easter, the name Easter means, uh, it comes from Aster, Astrid. It's related to the goddess of the Old Testament, was Asherah, which was a pagan goddess. Those are uh, pagan traditions. That's true. How did this happen? Well, In 300 and something AD, Constantine became a Christian. He was the emperor of Rome. The Roman Empire at the time was 50% Christian, but 50% was not. So it was really split 50-50. And Constantine, you know, didn't have the benefit of centuries of church history to know that you can't, like, just declare everybody's going to become a Christian now. He didn't have the benefit of history. So that's what he did. He said, okay, we're going to have one religion. It's going to be Christianity going forward. No more persecutions. And that meant that you had millions and millions of Roman, pagan Romans that were just becoming Christians in name only now. They'd never really had a conversion experience. And he kind of understood this. There was also a pagan priest class that had a lot of power. And he's like, well, you guys can become priests in the new Catholic church, okay, in the new church. So, and that's where a lot of the corruption from the Catholic Church comes from is that moment when he did that. This was not a good decision he made, okay? But there were still always all these faithful Christians that were real Christians. Well, part of what he did is he tried to make it easier for all these pagan Romans to find their home in the church by co-opting Mary and the saints and saying, the goddess we used to call Venus, now we're going to call her Mary. And uh, this god we're going to call 
uh, St. Joseph. And this guy we're going to call St. Andrew. And this one we're going to call St. Peter. And so they basically tried to just translate it so that the pagans would feel comfortable. They also took very popular Roman holidays and just Christianized them. Got you. Right? So Christmas tree and uh, Easter eggs and all this stuff, these do have origins in that. So some Christians feel very uncomfortable about that. They realize that, okay, there's a pagan history behind that. Do I, I don't want to worship this way because I, I feel like I'm compromising. If your conscience is bothering you and you don't feel like you can because of that, then don't. Don't do anything that would cause you to sin. Okay. But for Christians who don't have that concept of understanding, they're not sinning. Okay. When I put a Christmas tree up in my house, I'm just doing it because my kids love it. It's our tradition. I am not participating in pagan worship. Right. I'm just doing something we've always done. It's fun. I like the lights over the manger. It's pretty. You know, and when I'm celebrating Easter, I'm celebrating the resurrection of Christ. That's what I'm teaching my kids about. And we do the Easter eggs for our young kids for fun. You know, and I like the candy I get in the Easter baskets. Yeah. But <laughs> definitely don't have pagan religion in mind while we're doing it. So I would say that is one that is a, there's a principle in the New Testament called respecting the conscience of the, the weaker brother. So if there is a brother or sister in Christ that has, specifically Paul refers to like eating meat that's been offered to idols. This would also translate to alcohol, for example. If you feel like, you know, I'm a Christian, God doesn't have any problem with me drinking socially, you know, drinking the occasional drink. Now, not drunkenness. The Bible makes it clear drunkenness is a sin. Mm-hmm. Getting drunk is a sin. <clears throat> but Drinking wine, drinking a beer, socializing with people, that's not according to Scripture. Some Christians feel like it is. So what the Bible, the New Testament teaches is that if I am personally okay with with drinking socially, I'm not in sin. But if I'm with or in front of a weaker brother or sister who they do have a problem with it, like it does bother them, then I need to refrain myself in front of them. Mm. Okay. So how this might translate is if you're personally okay with a Christmas tree and Easter eggs and all that, no problem. But if you're inviting family members over that do have problems with that, then you shouldn't do it. Got you. Now that makes sense. I've never heard it in that way. Okay, we're coming up on more final questions. Well, it kind of makes me think about too. So it's more of like a spiritual thing, would you say, with, okay, your personal convictions with that, would the same go towards practicing yoga, for instance? Okay, that's a very good question. So to keep things very simple, what we want to do is we want to be asking God what he wants. And, you know, God has a law, you know, he gave us a law, but the law is an expression of his heart and it's for our good. Mm -hmm. Right. And the first commandment wasn't thou shalt not murder. Okay. That was the sixth commandment. The first commandment was love the Lord, your God, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So anything we're doing that would cause us to be participating in the worship of another God is something we shouldn't do, period, because we love God. We want Him first before all else. We don't love, we don't worship any other gods. Now, that's kind of what the holiday question was about, because some Christians believe that's what they're doing if they participate in that. What I'm saying is, I'm not doing that when I do a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why I don't have a problem with it. Yoga is a little harder, uh, because yoga is founded in spiritualism. It's founded in Hindu spiritual practices, right? And there's a strong spiritual aspect to it. However, there is a yoga where it's just stretching. You know, it's just the physical part. You're not doing the meditation. You know, you're not emptying your mind out. You're just stretching. You're just doing it for the physical benefit. 
Okay. That kind of, if you're just stretching and doing these poses, you know, does that violate the spirit of God's law? Does that, is that participate in the worship of other gods? I would say, no, I think that's fine. But to participate in the spiritual part of yoga, where you're meditating and you're doing the spiritual practices, that is, uh, I don't see any possibility for that for a Christian because you're crossing the line, you're engaging in uh, these practices that will put you in contact with the enemy's forces, gotcha. his angels, his spirits. And that's not healthy, spiritual is not good, and that is violating the first commandment. There's no, no way to interpret that that would be around that. Now, some Christians teach that even the stretching is like a gateway okay, to the other. I haven't ever done yoga, uh, so I, I can't speak to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is that you just need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Go back to the very beginning of what we said and ask God. Say, do you want me doing this or not? Is it okay if I'm doing the stretching or not? You know, And let him speak to you. Okay. Yeah. And you know what I would think he would do? I suspect that some Christians, he would say, don't do any stretching. Don't do anything. Don't set foot in that place. And other Christians, he would say, it's okay, no problem with you. Go ahead and stretch. Okay, because each person is going to, you know, it's just like some people can drink socially, no problem, and some people can't touch a drink without becoming an alcoholic. Right. And God knows everybody and who can do what. So we have God's law, which gives us good, strong principles of what we're supposed to be looking out for and not doing. But then we have the Holy Spirit to give us the more detailed guidance for us personally. Yeah, that's good. So I had somebody submit this question and they said, I hate when people use the Bible to Bible thump me and I feel like Christians love to push their beliefs down my throat. Why are they so intense and sometimes hypocritical? So I would I would say that so there's lots of pieces to that. Okay, beating someone over the head with the Bible. Uh, why are they so intense, pushing their beliefs on me? So I guess here's what I would say is uh, if you... We're standing on the side of the highway, and you had miraculously stopped your car because you knew around the, the corner the road had washed out, and there was just a canyon now. Mm-hmm. And everybody who went around that corner at full speed was going to die. So somehow you saved yourself. You stopped your car before you died, before you went around the corner. But there's all these cars zipping at 70, 65, 70 miles an hour towards that blind curve where they're going to die. But you know, you, or you believe you know what's going to happen, how intense would you be yeah. at trying to stop them? <laughs> would you be waving? Would you be going, hey, um, you know, it might be a good idea to uh, <laughs> slow down a little. Would you, would you be like that? Or would you be like, going, hey, right. would you be throwing out spike strips to pop their tires? Yeah. You know, would you trying to be, build a wall? Say, hey, no, no, stop. <laughs> Put up stones. You know, you, would you be trying to get their attention? Well, the answer to that would be, do you love these people in the other cars or not? You know, because some people actually don't love other people. They know they're going to die and they're like, they're going to sit back, get a picnic chair, pop a beer and just laugh, you know, laughing as everybody's going over the cliff. Okay. That means they don't care about them. But the people who love other people, they're going to be very intense trying to stop them. Now, that is, uh, there is one sense to that though, that there are what you would call legalists or some people who use the Bible as a weapon and their motivation isn't really love. Their motivation is self-power, self-grandizement. They're trying to control you for their own little kingdom. And that you may have had an experience like that person may have had an experience like that, asking that question. Mm -hmm. That's never the spirit of God. And that person may even think 
that God is okay with what they're doing, but they're going to be surprised when they meet him. Mm. Like he's going to say, no, I never knew you. Wow. You thought you were doing my work, but I don't know you. Okay. They're going to get a big disappointment. But regardless, God wants, is trying to get our attention and there is danger. And uh, many Christians are aware of that. And so they're intensely trying to warn you. (laughs) Some do it better than others. Some are just immature. Some are just don't know what to do. And so they're just doing crazy things to get your attention or saying the wrong things. They don't not practice. You know, they're, we're still human. We're still make errors. They're just trying their best. But, you know, the really the only thing that matters is, does this person that is talking to you about it, do you sense that they love you or not? Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's true. And I just have a personal question for you. I mean, Every single time, Monday is just whenever I'm, I'm sitting with you, I always learn something new. And you bring just evidence, you bring simplicity, and you just make it make sense. And I was just curious, what led you to study you know, the history of Jesus, the history of, of the Bible so deeply? Like, how did your process start or your journey start with that? Like, what led you to, to this point? That's a good question. And I don't really know for sure exactly why i just know that i know from a from an early age i've loved him and my earliest memory of walking with god is i don't i I think i was like seven or eight years old and i remember running down the sidewalk uh, behind my house and i fell and i fell and i skinned my knee and i remember getting up and being so mad at God, and I like cussed him out. But I thought like he was like standing right there next to me. I was like, "Why'd you let that happen to me?" Blah 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 blah. And mm-hmm. it's not like the nicest memory of a kid, you know, a kid fussing at God. But what I like about it is, for me, I knew he was there. Like I had no doubt in my mind he was right there. Mm. So sure, you know, you know, should I have been mad? I was the one running. I was the one not being careful. But that's not the point. The point is, I knew he was there. And I just always had a fast, I just always wanted to hear from him. And so in high school, I actually did not attend church for like five years because uh, something was done to my youth pastor who I loved in, in middle school. And, uh, you know, didn't I didn't like it. I thought I was treated badly. So I said the church is full of hypocrites, which a lot of people have gone through that. And uh, I didn't attend church for five years, but I did. But I still love God. And I and I read the Bible every single night before I went to bed. And, and I read through it like five or six times. And then towards the end of high school is when I guess I'd read through it enough times that I really wanted to know more. Like I wanted to learn more. Like I wasn't satisfied with, I want to know what other things could I know about Bible history. And, uh, and that started a journey of reading, just reading archaeological things about the Bible, you know, the history of. Israel, you name it. And then and that then I started coming across other books. Well, Evidence for Noah's Ark, you know, Evidence for the Exodus, Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, you know, you know, uh, Signature of God by Grant R. Jeffrey. And I just kept reading. I just loved that evidence, you know, just going further and saying like, man, mm-hmm. boom. And it helped that a church after college I attended, uh, I went to Georgia Tech and the, probably just lost any UGA fans that are listening to this. But <laughs> Okay, I, I I renounced my degree when I was done because I didn't want to be an engineer. But um, <laughs> I, the church I went to was like right next to Tech, and it was full of Tech students, and so we like all felt like we had to prove our faith. Mm-hmm. Like we were not content with just saying you just got to trust, you just got to trust. You know, some Christians do that. I was like, no, I'm I'm going to prove it. Mm-hmm. And so we'd study and read and just learned a lot, and uh, got to the point where I'm like, okay, I can prove it. Wow. I don't have any trouble proving it. And, and, uh, but what I found is 
is that when you're proving it with people, when you're when you're answering their scientific or philosophical objections or things like this, I found that those things are often just shields. They're shields that they've put up, masks that they've put up to deflect so they don't have to think or talk about these things, mm-hmm. their spiritual questions. And once you say, well, here's what science really says about evolution. Here's what evidence really shows about the flood and about the history of the Bible and this kind of thing. And you start showing them these evidences, like it's like, pew, 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 you know, their shields are getting blown away. Eventually, you really get to the heart, their heart, which is what they were trying to protect. And when you get there, you always find out that what their heart is saying is, I just don't want to believe. Mm-hmm. Right. And now you're dealing with the real, the real issue. Yeah. No, that's, that's yeah. good. And I think that's awesome because, I mean, I know I co- you're like, the first person I come to with my questions or sometimes I'll go to Delaney and then I'm like, okay, wait, let me ask. She's like, ask Brian. So I think that's so amazing that you took that time to really study because yep. I think there's just, it just really puts a different level to being able to to prove God's word, to prove the truth. I know you have a ministry and you have a lot of different things to offer to listeners, say people who want to grow in their faith or people who want to continue reading your books or watching um I know you have a YouTube. So where can the listeners find you if they want more? So my YouTube channel, you can go on YouTube and you can just search for Zach Mason, Z-A-C-K Mason. You'll find me. I'll be the first one that'll come up. Now, just be aware that most of what I talk about on there is related to uh, prophecy, biblical prophecy, uh, the book of Revelation specifically. We talk about current events. I also do a lot of analysis of dreams and visions that Christians have been having, you know, because there's literally thousands and thousands of, of Hundreds of thousands of Christians have been having these dreams and visions. I've been compiling them and doing some interpretations of some that are more uh, well-known, you know, that have gotten more popularity out there uh, as far as passed around, gone viral. And it's very interesting what people are seeing. So that's primarily what I'm doing on the YouTube channel. Now, the ministry is Path to Hope. So if any, uh, that's where if you are, if someone is struggling with anything from addiction to being trapped in trafficking, to just general brokenness or uh, depression, anxiety, you name it, or just feeling disconnected from God, you can reach out to us uh, at our website, which is Path to Hope. That's path the number two, hope.org. Just reach out to us there and we will connect with you. And uh, we have a great study, a great small group course that we just released, which we can also be done one-on-one. It doesn't have to be done in a group setting, uh, called Path to Strength. And I cannot recommend that course enough. It's designed to help people who are feeling weak in their faith or, uh, you know, just inactive, disconnected from God, lukewarm, even depressed, anxious, full of fear, you name it, whatever you're feeling that's negative. This course, if you follow the action steps, if you go through it, it's 14 weeks long. You don't have to go anywhere to do it. It'd be done locally in a small group usually. You will at the end feel much more confident, more at peace. You'll feel more connected to God. It's almost, we guarantee it. If you do the action steps in this course, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel stronger. You're not going to feel afraid. You're going to feel protected and connected to your creator in a new way. It's called Path to Strength. And uh, if you're interested in that course at all, then uh, reach out to us at the at the ministry. Or even if you want to lead one of these courses, that's a possibility as well uh, for your friends or your community. We've got them going on in multiple states uh, this fall. I think we've even got one starting up in Canada Yay! Uh, this fall. So we're excited about that. Reach out to us and we'll uh, 
help you get moving. That's so awesome. You guys are doing so many amazing things. I'm super grateful to have met you, to that Delaney connected us. And I'm just grateful that you said yes to coming on to the show, Anytime, man. answering sure. these questions. I know a lot of people are going to get so much value out of this. So guys, the YouTube is definitely like a rabbit hole full of content. I've been just so many videos. So I highly recommend everything that, that Zach is doing. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. You're welcome, Danny. Thank you. God bless. Now, if you made it all the way through both part one and part two, I just want to say congratulations. We covered a lot in these last two episodes of these past two weeks, and it really shows that you're a person who either has questions that you want answered. Maybe you're in that gray area of trying to figure out what you believe in. Maybe you've fallen away from your faith and you really needed somebody to ignite you again. Or maybe you were just curious to hear what we were going to talk about and what the answers would be. Or maybe you're somebody who's on fire for Jesus and you yourself are looking to see how you can answer these questions when somebody else asks you. No matter where you find yourself in the category, I just want to say congratulations for listening to both episodes and encourage you to continue your walk with the Lord. If you need a Bible study group, I cannot recommend enough the Bible study that Zach actually hosts himself. It's in person in Georgia or you can tune in on Zoom. If you want access to it, feel free to shoot me a message at Blackouts to Breakthroughs on Instagram and I'll get you connected to that Bible study. And I cannot recommend enough the path to strength. If you feel like you need some of those things that Zach was talking about, don't hesitate. Go for it. I personally will be going through it this fall with my family and I'm really excited to see the results within myself. It's a completely free program. Zach and the ministry he's over just really has a heart to help other people strengthen in their faith. So if you have any questions on that, shoot me a DM. We can talk about it. Or you can go directly to Zach himself at Path2Hope. That's path the number two hope.org. Path2Hope.org. And maybe you have a question that wasn't answered in these last couple weeks. You can totally message him your questions. This is literally what he does for a a living or you can submit them to blackouts to breakthroughs on instagram and i'll make sure to get the question to him but again thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode and we'll see you soon all right let's bring it in giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of blackouts to breakthroughs podcast and you know what you just deserve it the reviews and subscriptions mean a lot to me so if you love today's episode make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any other episodes also, I'd love to hear your takeaways, so feel free to screenshot this episode, put it in your stories, and tag me at Blackouts to Breakthroughs on Instagram with your biggest takeaways so I can connect with you and reshare your post. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, friend.